open up a new section of the series in We Declare War that we've been in, and we started talking about the power of our words. And I got stuck on that last little part of what we were just talking about was because saying that Jesus, you know, what a powerful name it is. And our words contain so much power, more power than we even know. If we would really understand that in the beginning, um, God created the heaven and the earth and said that it was good. And he began to speak into the darkness and said, let there be light. And light came. And then he said, let there be. And every time Jesus began to speak, the, that God began to speak out into the world, what happened was things were created and formed. There's power in the word. God could have snapped his fingers. He could have had thought to it, and everything would have been what it is. He's that powerful. He's God. But he chose to use the word, and then in John 1, 1, it speaks that God in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that all things were created by the word. And I believe we have to understand what the power of our words is. And so today I want to talk to you about words in action. Words in action. Anybody like science out in the room at all? Like, like the study of science? Like, the, like, I'm not talking about like Scientology people. I'm talking about just, do you like science? Do you like to look at things? Do you like to understand how the body works or how the mind works or how things happen or the rocks and the things like things perform? Like, What's funny is God created science. He did. If we look at the intricate ways that all things are formed, even in the sense of the stars that are miles and miles and miles and miles and thousands of miles away, there are so many different galaxies, and even in those stars, there are studies that have been done. But did you know that even some of those stars worship God by singing their own songs? See, God, when he spoke words, it put words into existence that we don't even know of. That's right. It put things into happenstance that we are still discovering today. Zion's been in science right now, and we homeschool, and as I've been working with Zion, he's been, or not Zion, this is Jada's homework, actually. I've got three kids that we homeschool, so sorry if I got who was who when I was mixed up, but Jada's been studying about Newton's laws of physics. And it hit me when I began to study about words that Newton's third law states that for every action, there is an equal or opposite reaction. For every action, there is an equal or opposite reaction. But what if we said for every word spoken, there is an equal or opposite reaction? For every word that you speak out of your mouth, for every word that you read, for every word that you hear, for every word that you see, causes an equal action or opposite reaction. Now, you're like, why, why are we going into science? Well, if you think about it, our thoughts are the genesis of our actions. Our thoughts are the genesis of our actions, and all thoughts are made up of what? Words. When our thoughts take place in our mind, they form into words. Like, if I didn't have a word, like, what would I be thinking? Right? The words we think, from the words we speak, 
our reaction. Let's go here. I'm going to give you, we're going to do a, a little word test, okay? I'm going to give you some words. What do you do when I say these words? What's going to happen when I say these words? What do you think? What are the words you think? And what are the reaction in your mind? Think about it. When I say the word perfume, what do you think? I mean, some perfumes stink. But most of the time, when you think the word perfume, you think something that's sweet and something that's fragrant. What about the word vomit? Right? 
Well, they couldn't do anything without words. Really think about it. If there were no words at all, how would we live? What would we be like? That was tough on us so much. Because guess what? There's one thing in this world that ties us together, whether you are deaf, whether you are blind, whether you are mute, whether you have a disability, whether you are African-American, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter what culture you come from. Guess what ties us together? Words. Think about it. A blind person can't see a word, but they can hear your words. They can feel words by reading them in braille. A deaf person can't hear words, but they can read the words of your lips, or they can sign them to you in words. So as a mute person may not be able to speak, but they can sign to you. They can read words that are on pages. Words have the power to form everything that we do. We have to understand that words create every action, every action that takes place in our life. How would I know to walk if I didn't know the word walk meant walking? What if I was like jogging and everybody's like, keep walking? You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't work that way. Think about it. Everything we do, what if I sit down on this stool and this means stand and this means sit? Do you understand that words have the power that dictate and control the way that we think, what we do? So the words out of your mouth also dictate the direction of the path that you travel. The words in your heart, the things that you read. This right here could be any book if it didn't say a Bible and it didn't have the words of God written in it. Words control all things. The words we think become the words we speak and the actions that we reproduce. And I want to read to you, if you have your Bibles, I want to read to you in Luke chapter 6, verses 45 through 30, or 43 through 45. And it says it this way. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. takes me to Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Do you understand that it's your heart, from your heart is where your thoughts come from and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I thought I thought my thoughts in my brain. 
Well, let me take you to Proverbs chapter 4, 23 through 27. And I know I gave you a few scriptures right out the gate. But I'm going to bring them all together in just a second. It says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Well, over here, when I was reading in Mark chapter 7, it says what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Or from within, out of the heart of man come evil life. Thoughts. Again, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead and ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither left nor right. Leave evil in the dust. When the Bible speaks of the word heart, it's not referring to the brain. It's not referring to our physical organ that pumps blood. It is referring to the whole of one's beliefs, one's emotions, and one's will. When the Bible talks about heart, it's the encompass of the soul. It's what you believe. It's the actions. It's the will of man. The heart is the center of our intellect. The heart is the center of our emotions, and it's our will. Think about it. We hear the saying often that says, follow your heart. Well, sometimes our heart can lead us in wrong directions. And often our heart is what we lead by. You know, you ever heard somebody say, well, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, or you know what I'm saying, or I'm, I'm a wall, I'm, I'm, I'm a brick wall, I'm a, I'm a fortress, I'm locked up tight. But the fact of it is, is both sides still are led by their emotions and by their heart. Because what their heart is feeling and seeking and doing is what feeds the intellect of the mind to think. How can a good fruit tree produce bad fruit and a bad tree produce good fruit? That's what the scripture said. Well, if it says that, but then it said out of the heart the mouth speaks, that means that our words are the fruit of our tree. Right. What we think are our words. So whether you are speaking it or not, guess who hears every word that you think? God. You knew it before you were going to think it. I mean, I'm pretty sure some of those words, he's glad you didn't speak it. But he still knows it. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's going to flow out. And one way or another, what you put in has to come out. Y'all, we just talked about science. Well, the science of the body is what you put in has to what? Come out. Right? I mean, we'd be in a lot of trouble if we ate and ate and ate and none of it came out. So all those things that you are eating and eating and eating of the world, and you think that you can just keep containing them, they're going to come out one way or another. They're going to come out. They come out in your actions. It may not be your words, but I thought our actions were led by our words, and an action is a word, so that still is your word speaking, even if it's not coming from your mouth. Yes. Our words direct everything we do. 
A heart is where words are pondered. It's where plans are made and desires are brought to fruition. Words make up all of what we see, hear, taste, smell, and touch. Think about it. God gave us our five senses, and words make up all those things. I mean, it's not my nose that sees, and it's not my eyes that smell. Everything's directed by a word. This is where Newton's third law comes in that I was talking to you about in the beginning. For every word that's spoken, there is an equal or opposite reaction. What I take in will equal what comes out. God gave us our senses for a purpose. So what happens when what I take in through those senses is desensitized by the world? What happens when what I'm taking in through what I'm watching, what I'm touching, what I'm smelling, what I'm... Do you understand what I'm saying now? All the things that I do are dictated by words if I am touching things I should not be touching, if I am smelling fragrances of things that I... Do you understand? You ever been somewhere and you smell something and it reminds you of something not good? Right? Something from your past, maybe, that just reminds you, you smell that smell and you're like... That's because every sense of our body is a part of the things that we do. And when we are in places that we should not be and do things that we should not be doing and we're desensitized, what happens is we take all those actions in through our words, through our senses. And what takes place is when we finally come and we get out of that situation, then we're reminded constantly by our senses the things that we've been through. And the problem of it is, is now we've become so desensitized to what is happening that everything is just good and normal around us. It's no big deal. Right? I mean, we look at it and we say it's a big deal that the gas prices have gone up, but we all still pan. Right? You gotta go work. If you ain't got no work, you ain't got a job, you ain't got money, and then you can't put gas in your car and go back to work. That's pretty much what it is anymore. But think about it. We're, we'll, we'll eventually, in all honesty, think about it, become desensitized to the price being so high. Because it just becomes a habit. It's a habit of nature to just get used to the things that are around us. Just like our words become habits and the things that we're just used to hearing around us. Does that make sense? Our words matter, but they literally dictate the paths that we follow. I know this may seem simple to you, but it's the truth and there is power in it. If you really thought about the power of your words that you spoke on a daily basis, I mean, think about it. If I tell my kids to go turn the light on, they're not going to go flush the stool. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Words dictate every bit of what we do. There's power in your words. Jesus uses several words here that defile and desensitize our hearts. Here they are. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. I read the footnote in my Bible to Matthew 7.22, and it was talking about the word foolishness. And it says, this involves a lack of moral integrity. The word foolishness. It involves 
involves a lack of moral integrity, honesty, truth, wholeness, honor, reliability, intellectual understanding, and spiritual discernment. It is the opposite of godly wisdom, and it stems from the absence of a true personal relationship with God. In a sense, the term sums up all the evils that Jesus said makes a person defiled. You ever had somebody call you a fool? Do I 
want to taste like what that smells like because that's gross. But think about it. If light can't mix with darkness, how can we act how we want and be in the presence of Jesus Christ? It doesn't work that way. The words we think are what lead us to the actions that define us. This is where the opposite reaction can come in. We may not always have the choice to determine the words that come our way. You don't always have the choice for th that, uh, things that are spoken to you or said about you or that you read. You know, sometimes have you ever been scrolling through something and you read something and you're like, I don't need to be reading that. You know what I'm saying? Like it turns out good and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's not good. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you have things that come your way that it wasn't like you purposely were looking for them. You know what I'm saying? But they came across or maybe a situation happens to you that's bad. And that's, that, those are words. When, I, when you say certain words about those situations, you're reminded of everything that you went through. And sometimes we don't have the choice to determine the words that come our way. But we do have the choice of what we do with them. We can either swallow them, chew on them, devour them, and make them a part of us, or we can spit them out. Think about it. When you have things that are spoken to you that are things that are negative, or you have a situation that comes to mind and you can remember words that are negative, what do you do with it? was good at first. Don't spit it out. You sit there like a cow chewing on its cud. That's an old saying. But seriously, you just keep chewing and chewing on it, Replaying it, replaying it, replaying it, going over it, going over it, going over it, trying to figure it out. And the more you keep going over it, the more those words of those things are intensifying in your thoughts. And the more those thoughts are beginning to change how you act and react to the people around you and even how much you allow God to do in your life. Do you continue to eat that food of, of the bad things, of the things that are put in front of you? Do you continue to allow them to cause you to react in a way that is not pleasing to God? You can spit them out. That means that whenever they come to your mind, that's what we talked about last week, of putting your thoughts into captivity. Well, when you put them into capti captivity, just spit it out. I'm not talking like go around and start spitting all the time, everywhere. Please don't do that. I don't want a bad name for remnant with COVID just because I told you I'm going to spit your words out. You know what I'm saying on everybody? Don't. What I'm trying to say is, if I gave you something to eat that you really, really, really didn't like and was making you get out and feel like you were going to vomit, are you going to continue to swallow it or are you going to spit it out? One word for me. I have something to eat. Pudding. Mm. That makes my mouth, my throat, everything feel a little weird. It's, it's gross. Pudding. I wouldn't even put it in my mouth. Like, I've already tasted it once and spit it out. Why would I put it in my mouth again if I know I don't like it? Right? You know, and sometimes people are like, well, I'll try it again. Mm -mm. I'm not trying it. That's like snot in your mouth. <laughs> That's what I think putting is. I am going to ruin it for everybody. It's nasty. It's gross. Bread pudding, I don't care what you put in your pudding. Pudding is gross. I won't eat it. My house knows I won't eat it. I don't care if it's chocolate pie. I don't care what it is. That texture is nasty. I don't want it in my mouth. But that's the same thing. 
don't like, the things that you know you don't like, how they make you feel when you begin to taste the sinful things that begin to come into your thoughts and won't come out of your mouth. You know you don't like the reaction that it causes and the things that it makes you feel. But why do you continue to put them in your mouth? Why? Why don't you want to admit it? Just spit it out. And why don't you spit it out? Why don't you keep passing on that thought? When that thought comes to your mind, why don't you just go, ah, pass. No. Next thought. And if it continues, and you know you can't even control yourself, instead of putting on some old song that makes you think and feel good and doing whatever you want, or going and using those words and blabbing it to your best friend, or to your mama, or to anybody else, why don't you get on your knees and kneel before the Lord and ask Him to come in and take that thought away and put on some worship music and trade your thoughts for praise? Hallelujah. It's time we choose to quit ingesting and digesting the words of the world and fill ourselves with the words of God. Quit choosing to digest and ingest the things that make you not feel good, the things that make you feel regretful, the things that make you feel um, remorse and, and things that you should not feel. You know, one thing that we say in our house, it's better to ask for permission than forgiveness. Don't just go and do something and then come back and be like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you knew you should have asked. Probably would have been a lot better for you. But now you're in trouble because you snuck behind and you did something you probably knew you shouldn't have done and you didn't ask and now, now you're in trouble for doing what you did. Same thing with God. Why do we always go and try to ask for forgiveness and just not ask permission first? Just ask him permission for what he needs you to do, for what he needs you to say, for the things that need to be let out in your heart. Put ingesting things and choosing to do it and then feeling sorry for yourselves because you overate of the world buffet and now you're bloated and or have a hangover. What are the cries that we begin to hear the cries for the Lord and not because of our sins that we're repenting of? When are we going to continue to hear or cry out to God of the things that we know are true, are good, are honest, are pure, are faithful because our heart longs to eat of what is his truth and righteousness? Yeah. You think that this doesn't hit hard? It hits hard on every level. It has hit me so hard that at moments, even today, I was faced with certain things. And what happened is I began to think good grief and I'm supposed to go speak up on actions and reacting. And I want to react. But I have to put my thoughts in order and my mind's in order and get it in front of God and spit those out and pass on that plate because God has something better for me to eat. But when I'm too full to eat what God has, I really miss out on the nutrition that I was meant to have. Have you ever seen two different people in the same situation handle something, that same situation completely different? A lot of times you see it in emergency situations when things happen, right? Like, you could have two parents in the room or two mamas, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could have a kid fall and hurt and break their leg and one mama's like, you, you good, get up. And then the other mama's like, oh my God, I didn't do my work, I didn't do my work. 
like it's like, but it's, it's the same, same situation. It's just a completely different response. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's not made up the same of how they digest their words and take them through and the things that they see. But why is this? Because it's our perspective. The words we feed ourselves change how we look at and view life and the people around us. The words we feed ourselves, so those two mothers, you know, looking at their child, one of them's like, I'm cool, we've been through this, it's gonna be all right, I gotta keep my cool because my child, I see them overreacting and I just wanna keep it calm and cool. The other mom was like, my baby's dying! You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's perspective. It's how things are seen. I'm not saying either one's better than the other, I'm just talking about you see the perspective. That's like when you see God moving in a room and you see ones who are hardened and don't want to have their hearts touched, ones that do. It's the same thing. It's perspective on how we view God. And the reason we view God in certain ways is because our perspective has been shaped by the things that have happened to us through action and word throughout our lives. It's perspective. The words we take in throughout our lives determine our perspective. And my perspective can only change when I change my thought pattern. When our thoughts are shaped by the words we know, then our perspective is shaped by our thoughts, and so are the words we share them by. If I've been through something that's really rough, or a really hard time, or Okay, let's go, let's go even simple in life. How many of you buy products off of Amazon? I do, I love Amazon. It's like my favorite thing now. And it's so easy because if it don't work out and you don't get it, all you gotta do is drive over to Kohl's and hand it right in and then you just order something else and get your money back. It's real simple. How many of you book flights or vacations or you look things up through like online tools whether it's through airline places cheap flights different things like that look how many of you when you look those things up or buy something off Amazon read the reviews right I mean you might want to read them reviews But one thing I found out when I bought certain things is one person's review doesn't shape how that thing works for me. That's how perspective works. Isn't it funny that one person's or a couple people's got now, if you have everything is bad about it, it's probably a good thing maybe not to buy it. You know what I'm saying? Try something else. But if you have like, you look at their star rating and it says 4.5 stars, but all you read are like the first like three reviews and they've been bad. You've already talked to yourself. Well, they've already talked you out of buying what you want to get. Do you see the power that somebody else's perspective has over you and the direction that you take and the things you do? Or have you ever went to the movies or wanted to see a movie and you know somebody who's seen it and they go see it and they tell you, how was the movie? And they're like, oh, that was all right. And then you go see that movie and you're like, oh, great, this was awesome. You're like, what's wrong with you? You know, are you, have you ever on the opposite end and been like, that was so awesome, you see it, you're like, that was the first movie I ever saw. You know what I'm saying? It's perspective. But what happens is our perspective is shaped by our words, and our words begin in our thoughts, and those thought patterns begin to create 
things. And what happens is instead of riding your own train of thought, you're riding everybody else's. You've done derailed your life because you want to be on somebody else's train track.
nothing else. Like, you don't have the last say. Like, finally. God's like, finally, it's done. Quit talking. Don't tell me what you think. I'm going to tell you what I think, and that's the end of it. He says, finally. Believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, what is, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. What words are you going to choose to put into action today? You going to put your words? You going to put somebody else's words into action? You going to put somebody else's thoughts into action? You going to put worldly things into action? Are you going to put into action the word of God today over your life? You have a choice because every action has an equal or opposite reaction. And when things come to you in your life, you have the choice of how to respond through the things you think and the things you speak and the things that you do. And those are all centered around words. And I think we have to understand that our words have power and what we do with them truly matters. Why don't you stand with me this morning? When we react to this world and oppose it with the word of God, then and only then will the words of our mouths be true. When we react to this world and oppose it with the word of God, then and only then will the words of our mouths be true. There's a saying that I've been hearing that, you know, live your truth. You can live your truth if you want, but I know that this is the only truth that I need to be living because it's the word of God. And it says that the truth will set you free. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way you can live free is quit living your truth because your truth is a lie. You're only lying to yourself and everybody else around you. But if you begin to live and walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, then and then you will only be free from all the words and all the things that happened in your life from the past that begin to dictate you and you begin to get back on track with God. Amen? Amen. There's power in our words. There's power in our words. I know that this seems different. I'm telling you, I know that this series is a little bit different, this section of words, because I think we have to begin to think truly and clearly about what we say and what we do and what we're taking in, whether it's through books you read, Facebook posts, through Snapchat, through Instagram, through all the other avenues that feed words into you. How are you feeding your soul? You cannot fill a river with a dry spring. It doesn't work that way. So if you continually fill yourself with dry things, life can never reproduce. But if you fill yourself with the river and the living word of God, 
you'll find yourself in a better place. You'll find your words begin to change in the way that you think, and you have to begin to change them. It's up to you. Nobody can change the words that you think or you speak. Only Jesus Christ can do that if you allow to give him authority over your thoughts and authority over your heart and your mind and your mouth. Because just because we love God doesn't mean we give him authority over our mouths. You have to do that. You have to be subject to him every day to say, God, take take my thoughts, take the things that I do, and cover my mouth. And if you are telling me, like I've said, Jesus has told me very, very loudly before to shut up. He's telling you to shut up and be quiet. You best do it. He's just trying to save you from a world of heartache. Our words have power. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you um, are the most powerful thing, God, in this world. And, God, you have given us a powerful tool that you said within it is the, is the power of life and death. That our tongue holds the power of life and death. And sometimes I even wonder why you would have given us that, because that's a scary tool to have. But one thing I know, God, that is when we give that power to you, you have the authority to turn it for your good. God, you gave us the power to speak so that we would be witnesses throughout the world of who you are. Whether it's through written word, whether it's through sign language, whether, whether it's through music, whether it's through the arts, God, and the visual things that we see, and just our words, God, of what we speak, God. You have given us power to declare who you are to the nations. God, I pray that we would understand what that power is and quit wasting our tool. God, I pray that we would quit using it for death and we would use it for life. I pray, God, that we would understand that the words of our heart and our mind determine the path of our soul. And I pray, God, that I know people in this room have had words and things that have been spoken over them and different things that have come their direction. But just like we spoke before this, you set things in order. There are no more time to make excuses. We cannot keep excusing our words, our thoughts, and our actions. We have to begin to put them in submission to you and follow what you desire. Today, God, we choose to follow your plan and follow your word. And through it, our words will have power. We thank you and we praise you today.